blessings that individuals can enjoy. I am referring to marriage. Marriage is a good thing. It is from God. We see marriage from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 23 and 24. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she, has ta- she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. In the beginning, marriage was good, and marriage is still good today. It is a great blessing from God. Solomon would remind his son in Proverbs chapter 5 about the importance of his wife and enjoying his wife and to avoid adultery. In Proverbs chapter 5 and verse number 15, Solomon would remind his son about the blessing of marriage. In verse number 15, he said, drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Marriage is a blessing. He said, rejoice in the wife of your youth as a loving hind and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. Marriage indeed is a blessing from God. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, turn over to Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and listen again to what Solomon said here in verse number 9. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse number 9, listen to what Solomon said here. He said, enjoy life. Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which has which he has given to you under the sun, for this is your reward in life and in your toil in which you have labored under the sun. Enjoy life. That's what he's reminding him. Enjoy your husband. Enjoy your wife. Marriage, indeed, it is a blessing from God. You think about the marital relationship. It's a relationship between a man and a woman, husband and wife, and it should be the closest relationship that those individuals have with any other person. Marriage, indeed, is a blessing. And Jesus spoke about the lasting, how permanent it is when one man and one woman get married, that they should remain married. I'm turning over to Matthew chapter 19, where Jesus makes it clear that when a man and a woman, they get married, that they should remain married. In Matthew chapter 19, I want you to notice what Jesus said here in verse number four, as he was being asked some questions about divorce. Listen to what he said here. And he answered and said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, we just read that, and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. You see what Jesus said there? Well, God is joined together. Let no man separate. Listen, marriage is a, it's a gift from God. It is a blessing. And some of the greatest stories I love to read and hear about, and I'm sure you do too, are hearing couples that have been married or finding couples who have been married for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. And just seeing how husband and wife, how these couples continue to love one another, continue to assist one another. Marriage indeed is a blessing. Yet sadly, there are those who are married who would not describe their marriage as a blessing. Instead, unfortunately, some could describe or may describe their marriage 
And if they're not saying it out loud, they may be thinking it on the inside more as a curse. Sadly, many no longer are feeling exhilarated by their spouse. They no longer view their spouse as being excellent, but rather feel exhausted and bitter toward them. Well, this shouldn't be because marriage, it is a blessing from God. Yet sadly, it can happen. Look over in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 19. Listen to what Paul said in Colossians 3 and verse 19. As he's talking about husbands and wives and children, listen to what he said in particular to husbands. He said, husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them, which means that it is possible, if not careful, for these things to happen. And sadly, many marriages, not just out in the world, but many marriages in God's church will end up in divorce. And that, my friend, just should not be. How can our marriages be the way that God wants them to be? Indeed, marriages are, they're a blessing from God. This relationship is an awesome relationship, becoming one flesh with another. I want you to think about this scenario for a moment. Imagine a young couple, they're getting ready to get married. Maybe they're engaged. Maybe they're looking for some wisdom and things like that. And you had an opportunity to help them to understand some things pertaining to marriage. And if there was one word or one thought or one idea that you could share with them that could improve their marriage, strengthen their marriage, what one word or thought or idea would you want them to know? I think for a lot of us, we would say love. Anybody thinking about love? That's a powerful word. It's a powerful thought. And certainly our marriages, there needs to be love. We are to love one another. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5 to the men in Ephesians chapter 5 in verse, in verse number 25. He said, husbands, Love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Certainly, I would want that individual or that couple to know that they are to love one another. That's a powerful word, love. Is there another word or thought or idea? If you had just one word or idea to help that couple, that young couple, to, 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 to enjoy their marriage and to improve their marriage, I think love would fall into that category. I think another word would be selfless, being selfless. The idea of putting the other individual before yourself. In Philippians chapter 2, I think this is what we find here. Look over in Philippians chapter 2. While this applies to relationships between brothers and sisters in Christ, it certainly applies also to our homes. Paul said in Philippians 2 and verse 3, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. If I were to talk to a young couple who's getting ready to get married, I would want them to read Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 3 and remind them it's not all about you. It's not all about you. It's about the other person as well. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. I think the idea of being selfless would be a powerful thing for that young couple to remember. The idea of love or being selfless. What about the word forgive? Wow. That's going to be required in a marriage, isn't it? Forgiveness. 
Because individuals are going to make mistakes. Husbands and wives are going to make mistakes. Those are powerful thoughts, powerful words. But I want to suggest, and there's nothing wrong with those, but I want to suggest one word today, one idea, one thought that I believe will help improve our marriages. And that one word, that one idea, which I think will help all of our marriages, the more we really think about and contemplate uh, this thought and this word is the word eternity. You thought about that. We talk about love and forgiveness, being selfless. But are we also thinking about this idea of eternity in our marriages? I think this will have a dramatic impact as we think about our marriages. I think it's going to help those who are hurting. And I think it will help those who may be hurting their spouse. Eternity. I've been thinking more about this the last couple of weeks, just the, with the question about, you know, our spouses and how we're going to know people in heaven, just this whole idea uh, about marriage and how there's so many questions surrounding heaven and things like that. And as I thought more about it, I began to think about this and how powerful, when we truly think about eternity, how powerful that will really will be and the impact that will have in our homes. Make no mistake about it, my friends, the devil wants your marriage to be destroyed. And he wants us to give up on our marriages. He wants us to give up on our spouse. He does not want us to be successful, and we cannot allow that to happen. God's grace is sufficient for even the most challenging relationships. Do you believe that? We need to believe that. And I want to consider some thoughts with this idea of thinking about eternity. As you look at that man sitting next to you or that woman sitting next to you, or maybe they're not here, but you're still thinking about them, I want you to think about this concept of eternity and how that will improve your marriage and some things that really encompass this word eternity. I want to begin just by sharing one thought with you. And the first thing I think we need to think about as we think about our relationships, the marital relationship, is this, that as we look at our spouse, we always need to remember that our spouse, they are made in the image of God. Now, I think we talk a lot about this idea that an individual is, is made, uh, individual is made in the image of God, particularly when it comes to evangelism. That, you know, we talk a lot, I've talked about that, I'm sure, here, that when we look, go out into the world and talk to people, that we need to remember that that person is a soul, and they are made in the image of God. There may be some distance between us, there may be some challenges, but they need the gospel because they're, they're made in the image of God, and that is certainly true. And yet at the same time, I think we need to remember this when it comes to the man that we married or the husband or the wife that we married, that they too, according to Genesis 1 and verse 26, that they too were made in the image of God. And think about this. This applies to all of us. Because we are made in God's image, it means that we are special and important in his eyes. But it's not just us. It is also the one that we said I do to however many years ago. Now, some may be thinking, well, duh, I get this. I know we're all in the made in the image of God. But I think in the process of time, we can fail to view our spouses in the proper way. And if not careful, we can begin to view them in a more superficial manner and fail to focus that they have a soul. That they were made in the image of God. That they are important. They are special in the eyes of God. But it can be so easy to take them for granted, can't it? 
Uh, we can focus on all the, the insecurities that they may have, the annoying habits, they don't put the toilet seat down and all these other things. They're not a, you know, they don't do this, they don't do that, and the foolish decisions maybe they've made. But we can, all of that can cause us to miss out on the big picture. That they're made in the image of God. And because of that, they are special in God's eyes, even if we no longer feel that they are special to us. They're special to God because they are made in his image. And because of this, my friends, that means that we have to treat our spouse right. We have to treat them right because they are made in God's image. Now, we know this, and yet it can be hard. There's a passage in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 12 that reminds us that we ought to treat all men right. And yet I wonder sometimes, <laughs> do we forget that this also applies to that man or woman who is in the house? In Matthew 7 and verse number 12, Jesus said in Matthew 7 and verse 12, In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. You see what Jesus is saying there? You treat people the right way. Treat people the way you want them to treat you. Brothers and sisters, this includes our spouses. We need to treat them in the right way. They are made in the image of God, and we need to fully embrace this passage here. Some spouses, if not careful, can treat their mates so wickedly, but would never do that to someone in the world. Would not treat an infidel the way that they treat their spouse. Well, that should never be so, my friends. We need to treat them the proper way. Why? Well, because they're made in the image of God, and they're valuable in the eyes of God, and they're special in his sight, even though we may have some challenges and issues that come along. The truth of the matter is we're to show them honor. In 1 Peter chapter 3, we'll turn over there, in 1 Peter chapter 3, remember that's what Paul, or I'm sorry, Peter, was telling the saints. He would give instructions to both wives and also husbands, and he would remind them, you show that man. You show that man that you married, you show that woman that you married, the one you picked, the one you said I do to in front of God and other witnesses, you show them honor and respect. And 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, you husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your, your prayers may not be hindered. And so we ought to show our spouses the proper honor and treat them the right way because they're made in the image of God. I want to stay there, though, in First Peter chapter 3, because as we think about this idea of eternity, just thinking about eternity in heaven should cause us to want to treat our spouse the right way because we understand that they're made in God's image. And not only that, but God wants us to help our spouses to go to heaven. He wants me to help my wife to go to heaven, to assist her in this journey called life. And he wants all of us to help our spouses to go to heaven. And this is why we need to view our spouses in the proper way. When you really think about it, a husband and wife should be so concerned about the other person because they're made in the image of God, that they are going to do hard things because they want their spouse to go to heaven. You see, I think that's what Peter is trying to get across. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, he said, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. You see what he's telling them to focus upon? Do you see it? Eternity. I want you to try to win that person. They need to be saved. So their minds had to be on eternity. I want you to be thinking about that person because they are created in my image. 
And I want you to help them to make it to heaven. And I'm sure this was hard. I don't know all the details surrounding this with the wives who who did not have these husbands who were Christians. But I know this. God was encouraging them and directing them. You need to be thinking about that man's soul because he is valuable in my sight. You need to do as much as you can to strive to help that man get to heaven. Why? Because eternity is real. Because heaven is real. Because hell is real. And because their husbands were made in the image of God. And that, my friend, I think is what we need to focus upon even more. And this is why the women there were to focus on those inner qualities, growing in those inner qualities. He said in verse 2, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior, your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. He's trying to get them to focus upon eternity and focusing upon the things that are going to help their spouse make it to heaven. And it's not just for the women, but it's also for the men. And that's why he said what he said in verse number 7. You husbands in the same way. You hear it? In the same way. So you need to be thinking about your wife in the same way. You need to be thinking about how can I help my wife make it to heaven? What is it that I need to continue to do? And how can I help her and, and motivate her and keep her on the right track? You see, we are to remember that as Christian couples, we are to help one another make it to heaven. But the sad reality is that sometimes, if not careful, couples are not going to help one another. But if not, if not careful, can hinder one another from making it to heaven. And that, my friends, should never be. I have questions. How often do you think a husband or wife who's thinking about eternity, how often are they thinking about eternity as they contemplate committing adultery? How are we thinking about eternity when we're contemplating or when a person is contemplating doing something like that? Adultery just doesn't happen. There is certainly a progression that takes place. And I wonder, you look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I wonder what a husband or wife is thinking when they deprive their spouse of what is due to them. Paul actually talked about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 3. He said, the husband must fulfill his duty to his wife. Talking about the sexual relationship and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Now listen to this. And come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I wonder what a husband or wife is thinking when they deprive their spouse is what is due to them. Not fulfilling this can create and will create problems and temptations and room for the devil. But I also wonder what a husband or wife may be thinking when they decide to forsake the assembly. Are they thinking about eternity? And are they thinking about how that's going to affect their spouse and how that's going to have a, a ripple effect upon them? But we know passages like Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 and 25. And I also wonder what a husband or wife is thinking when they allow themselves to be filled with bitterness, with anger, clamor, and how that's going to help anything to get better without actually addressing some of these issues. The truth of the matter is husbands and wives need to assist one another to make heaven a reality. Are we all in agreement with that? 
We all need to help one another. Spouses need to help one another to make heaven a reality. This is why I'm thinking about eternity. This is why focusing on what's coming afterward is going to have a dramatic impact upon our lives right now. When I was in Michigan a few weeks ago, there was a sister in Christ got picked up by one of the elders, the elder's wife. We were talking, and somehow we started talking about relationships and marriage and things like that, and she said something powerful. Now, some people may not agree with it, but I think it's pretty powerful, and I think there's application for both men and women. Here's what she said. She said that when a woman gets married, her first career is her home. What do you think about that? When a woman gets married, this is what she said, uh, her first career is her home, that that should be her main focus. And I think you could say the same thing for a man, that when, when, when a man gets married, his first career, his most important career should be his family. If anything else gets in the way, and that applies to men and women, jobs, hobbies, friends, something must change. What do you think about that? You know, the more we think about eternity, the more we need to really be thinking about what's going on in our homes. And so a question for all of us is this, as couples, how much time are we spending on the most important relationship Outside of our relationship with Jesus, how much time and how much focus and how much energy are we focusing on the most important relationship outside of our relationship with Christ? Do we know more about other marriages than we know about what's going on in our own home? Do we know more about what's going on in a celebrity's marriage than what's going on in our own home? Are we more connected with others than we are to our own spouse? Who cares if you have hundreds of friends on Facebook and your spouse isn't your friend? Are we growing spiritually so we can also help our our spouse to grow spiritually? Are we praying together? Are we confessing our sins to one another? You know, money and prestige are not going to matter if you find yourself in a divorce. Gain all of these things. And that one relationship, the home, you lose it all. Well, congratulations, you've gained a lot. And you basically have lost everything. Are we available for our spouses? Or have our careers taken priority? These are things I think we need to think about. And the more we think about eternity, God wants our minds to be thinking about eternity. And he wants our spouse, he wants us to help our spouse to to make it to heaven. And to remember that they are created in the image of God. <laughs> the reality is he wants us to be in heaven. It's not about just thinking about our spouse making it to heaven. He wants all of us to be in heaven. And all that we do really should be viewed with a view of eternity. Yes, love is powerful and forgiveness and being selfless and all of those things can be wrapped up, I think, and really thinking about eternity. How we act and treat our spouses should be viewed with a view of eternity. This is why we love that person. This is why we will be selfless. This is why we will forgive. This is why we will be patient. Marriage, it's a great thing. It is a blessing from God. And yet it is a very serious relationship and one that should not be taken lightly. And to the young people here, let me just say this. Be very careful who you marry. Be very careful who you marry. 
looks are not everything. She may be very pretty. Great. He may be very handsome. Fantastic. But be very careful who you marry. And I will say this, and I'm sure some may be a little bit upset, but I think it's so important. I would strive to do your best, strive to do your best, to marry a one who is a Christian, marry one who is in Christ. Now, I know people will marry sometimes individuals who may not be a Christian, and hopefully they'll, that individual will be converted to Christ. But more often than not, that typically does not happen. And the truth of the matter is marriage is hard. It's hard with two Christians. And yet if one is not submitting to Jesus, it makes it even harder. And so you need to really think about who you're going to marry. I remember this young man uh, back in Mauriceville. I, uh, he asked me if I could do his wedding, and I said, sure. So in the process of time, I found out that the young lady that he was going to marry was not a Christian. I was still going to do the wedding, but I did urge him to do a couple of things. I urged him to, well, I asked him, have you talked to her about your faith? No. And so I kept pressing him, pressing him. You really need to talk to her about your faith. And he fired me. If you can get fired from doing a wedding. That's what happened. He fired me. So I'm going to find someone else to do the wedding. Great. I was doing that on purpose. And less than a year later, that man lost his faith. He lost his faith. Now, does that happen every single time? Of course not. But it is something you really need to take seriously. Young people, you really need to be careful who you say I do to. This is not the movies. This is not Disney, okay? There are going to be challenges along the way. and There are repercussions about the person that you decide to say I do too. The truth is, my friends, we cannot deceive ourselves and think God is going to be okay when we treat our spouses poorly. We cannot think God is just going to be okay as we treat our spouses like dirt. And I pray to God that doesn't happen. But if that does happen, we cannot just think that everything's going to be okay with God. How we treat our spouses will have spiritual consequences, consequences that can last for eternity. This is why he wants us to to think about them in the right way. And he wants us to encourage them to make it to heaven. And for us to make sure that we get to heaven, in 1 Peter 3 and verse 7, you husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman, and show her honor. You respect that woman. Show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Here it is, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Have you thought about that? Your prayers will not be, your prayers will be hindered? That's a scary verse. And yet it's real. This means that God sees how we treat our spouses. I don't know what's going on in homes of individuals. But God does. God sees what's going on in the Lee household. And he sees what's going on in your house. And God has certain expectations about how we treat our spouses. Brethren, it really does matter to him. And we should not do anything that can potentially cause us to make our spouse stumble. To get in their way. Let me tell you how serious this is. Let me show you the real Jesus here, okay? Matthew chapter 18. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18. Listen to what he said here. Matthew chapter 18. This is how serious it is, not just with other individuals, but with our spouse. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 5, he said, And whoever receives one 
such and whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Wow, did Jesus just really say that? That's that's a typo, right? No, it's not a typo. Hear what he said? You cause one of my little ones to stumble. It would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Going to Israel changed my life. I got to get back there sometime. I'm hoping for 2020. Let's think it. Okay. I'm hoping for 2020. I got to get back there sometime. All right. There are some things that really stood out to me. The Sea of Galilee. The Temple Mount. The food. But there's one other thing that really stood out to me. This millstone. Now, that changed everything for me when I saw that. And then when I read Matthew 18, you see what Jesus said? You're better off having that put on around your neck and thrown into the depth of the sea than to cause one of my little ones to stumble. One of the saddest things will be for a person to miss heaven because of the way they treated their spouse. The one they chose to marry, the one they promised to be faithful Not in health and health, but in sickness and in health. Richer or poorer, until death do us part. So we cannot lie to ourselves and think that we'll be in heaven as we treat our spouse worse than an infidel. We need to love our spouse as Christ has loved us. They are special in his sight. They need our assistance in this journey called life. And treating them improperly may cause us to miss out on heaven. And the more we think about eternity, this one word, this idea, I believe the more our marriages will improve because we're going to see that we're going to strive to do our very best. Now, I realize some things here. I realize we cannot control everything. We can't control our spouses. We can't control other people. I get that. We can't force them to do anything. I understand that. And a spouse may not do the right thing. They may not do what is right. I understand that. But we can control ourselves. That is where we need to be focusing upon. And even if they are not thinking about eternity, we must be thinking about eternity. And I understand we're all under construction. I got my, my construction hat on right now. I'm under construction. I got things I need to work on, things I need to get better at. All of us are under construction, but the point is there's got to be this constant building that's taking place. And even if they're not thinking about eternity, we have to be thinking about eternity. So I want to end with this. What does God see when he looks at our marriages? I don't know what's going on in your marriage. I got to focus on mine. But what does God see what's going on in your marriage? Does he see love, mercy, forgiveness, And does he see us truly thinking about eternity? That's where our minds need to be. And when our minds are focused on eternity, then I believe our marriages indeed will be great.
I don't think anyone wants their marriage. I know no one wants their marriage to be bad. And yeah, when you look around, there are many challenges. We're all under construction and we're all striving to get better. And Jesus is always going to be the answer. And therefore, we have to trust exactly what he says for us to do, that we love that individual, that we treat them the right way, that we put them first, that we seek to forgive, that we seek to improve, and that we help them make eternity their home one day. Let's make sure that we focus upon that. And to those who may not be in Christ, let me just say this real quickly. You also need to be thinking about eternity. If you have not put on Christ in baptism, and I'm talking about being immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you need to put on Christ. You need to be baptized for the right reason, for the forgiveness of sins. You need to be thinking about eternity. And as you do that, you'll be able to help others as well make it to eternity in heaven with Jesus. If you're subject to the invitation, if you need prayer, if you need assistance, come now as we stand and sing. When Jesus comes to return.